you know what I'm annoyed about? What? Well, lockdown kind of snuck up on me mm. and I I really need to get my roots done. Oh, God. These greys, they're so bad. I just can't deal with the texture of my grey hair. Talk to me about the texture. Well, it's wiry. Is it? It's like... Don't have any greys yet, so... Are you serious? No, not a single one. Are you sure? Yeah. Is it because you're blonde? No, I don't have a single one. See, Don't they stick up? It's like the texture of a scourer. Like like a steel wool. Yes. Oh. It's horrible. <laughs> they stick out on brunettes like dog balls. Like yeah. I feel like you were hard done by in your teens through to whatever age where you have to touch up your dark roots. Yeah, always. And as a brunette, I was like smug, like, ha, yeah. don't have that problem. <laughs> and now that I'm going grey slash silvery white... It's a problem when you're a brunette. You're not going grey, though. No, I am. No, you're not. I'm pretty sure that a hundred more sprouted during just this lockdown. So if you weren't to dye your hair at all, would you be salt and pepper? Yeah. No. It's bad. And it's right in my part. I can't quite see through the screen, but I've never really noticed. No, it's bad, babe. Really? Yeah, I noticed it this morning because I actually washed my hair for the first time in a couple of weeks. Okay. I've gone feral. Full lockdown feral. Yeah. I don't know why, but it's even more obvious when my hair squeakers. Mm. It's like the steel wool gets an extra bounce <laughs> and it sticks up even more. You like... know what you need in your grey is a bit of volume. <laughs> Look. I've got to say, if I was a brunette, I'd be doing a box dye. It's so low stakes when you're a brunette. I'm seriously considering a root touch-up from a supermarket blonde, but I'm scared because everyone's like, don't do it, it'll go orange. But yeah, don't I, do it. No, I can do it. But if I was a brunette, I wouldn't even think twice. Revs, your precious hair cannot handle a box dye. Why is it precious? Because it's fine. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's been everything. It's done everything. What's a what's a bad lockdown root touch up? No, I'm probably not going to do it because I don't want orange roots. Exactly. And I can't go anywhere to fix it if I fuck it up. But you, a brunette box dye is so easy. Have you met me? Yeah, but it's not difficult, babe. I'm so. Lazy. I complain about it yeah. to open this episode. Yeah. But in reality, am I going to do anything about it? No. I, I, I love salt and pepper hair on a man. Do you love it on a woman? I mean... Do you look yeah. at a woman and go, I aspire to have that? No, but I think, it, I think a woman can be sexy with grey hair, but like it drives me a bit nuts on a man. Really? Yeah, I'm into it. Hubs is just starting to get that. He's like, such a baby, but I'm loving the salt and pepper coming through. Yeah, or like a, in, the, in the beard... Yeah, I like that less. <laughs> Is this like my daddy issues coming through? Maybe. <laughs> I'm into it. Mr. Sheffield vibes, you know? But Mr. Sheffield had the silver streak. Yeah, I'm into it. It's hot. Yeah. Clooney? Clooney vibes? I mean, he's a sex icon. Yeah. And he does make the best tequila. Casamigos. Casamigos. It's Casamigos. You get into the app? I suppose we should. We have a thousand things to do, but we'd rather chat to you. With emails and meetings and husbands and kids, we don't have time for this. Just what you need to basic bitches with a podcast. 
How are you going over there in lockdown? Oh, look, I feel like asking how are you is such a heavy, loaded question. Yeah. Sometimes you just don't want to tap into those deep, dark feelings. And, like, no one's okay. That's the thing. It's like everyone's aware that everyone's got their own shit. Yeah. So you don't want to heap your own shit onto someone else. Yeah. So you kind of hold back from talking about it, but then that just isn't healthy either. There's just nothing to talk about because all anyone can talk about is vaccines, lockdown, homeschool. Like, honestly, you can't really escape it. It's draining. It's a real fucking drainer. And I feel like I had a little bit of an add-on this week with Iggy moving daycares. So what do you, what's going on? I feel like we're cursed. Rafa's shut down unexpectedly and then Iggy's family daycare also closed down. Granted, we were given four weeks notice, but I have had the hardest time finding a daycare that's suited to him. Yeah. And also me letting go of my baby boy. Oh, honey. Yeah. Really? It's the weirdest thing. Something that's really caught me off guard with parenting two kids is that they require such different things from me Mm. and I treat them differently. Yeah. Not on purpose, but I'm trying to cater to their different personality types. And as we know, Rafa, Tornado Rafa with the hurricane heart, she's big, busy, loud. She's a squeaky wheel. She gets the oil. She demands attention from me. Mm. There's no escaping her like (laughs) lockdown. Whereas Iggy is my sweet, gentle, soft, quiet, doesn't want for much, delicate little snowflake, (laughs) as my husband calls him. And I think my heart broke doubly hard sending him to daycare because it's so silly because on one hand, he's totally adaptable and he's fine. Yeah. But because he is such a content kid that is so easily pleased, I worry that he's going to get overlooked or forgotten because sometimes I think that, and look, maybe some childcare educators will slide into our DMs and correct me on this, but I, you can't help but worry that the loud kids like Rafa or like naughty kids get most of the attention. Totally. No, but that they definitely would. I think that's my fear. And because my kids both started out in a family daycare, the educator who looks after them is so nurturing and hands-on and there's continuity of care with the same person. Mm. So has he started? He has. He's done three days. How did he go? Like exceptionally well. That kid just continues to surprise me. And then I realise the problem is me. Yeah, 100%. I can't let go of my baby boy. Mm. Maybe you need to make him a middle child. Middle children are great. You're giving me the eyes. You're giving me the eyes. But the quickest way to let go of your baby is to make another one. Another thing I can't escape, (laughs) thanks to Anna Paula, is everyone telling me about this third baby that I'm supposedly having. Well, maybe it's off the cards now because you can't go on holidays. Maybe that fated baby has slipped through the space-time continuum. Bye. (laughs) See you never. See you never, little girl. (laughs) Iggy's my baby. Okay. I treat him as such. (laughs) Gem's giving me the shut it down eyes, you guys. (laughs) Shut it down. Did you feel differently with your kids? You know when you have your second born, you're like, I've got this. I've raised a two-year-old. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This baby is going to be a breeze. Yeah. And then they have a completely different personality. Yeah. Iggy has thrown me. Yeah. He's suddenly entering the toddler life where now I can't sit down and relax. Now I can't take my eye off him. I realized I had a really good thing. Yeah. Very very long time. (laughs) Yeah. My kids, 
are more, they go through seasons emotionally. Isla was definitely like that when she was two, three, like confident, social, running off into daycare, whatever. Around four, suddenly got clingy at daycare drop-off and, you know, has had moments and times in her life where she needs more of me emotionally. And then other times she's sort of settled and fine. Usually it's to do with how academically stretched she is. Oh, okay. So she gets bored easily. She gets bored easily. And when she gets bored, she gets anxious and she kind of acts out a little bit. Mm. Teddy is the same. Like if he's got a really good mate or a carer that he just loves and imprints onto at daycare, he'll bound through the door, happy to go, excited to go. He'll say, where am I going today? And I'll say daycare and he'll go, yay. But, you know, like Isla, he's had seasons of being really clingy. At the moment, he's really struggling to go off without tears and, you know, having to be prized off me. Oh, that's hard. It's hard. It's rough. But I know it's a season. So I guess in that way, they're kind of similar. Okay. But I try not to gender it, but there is definitely, they need different things from me. Like Teddy gets frustrated and then he gets physical. I was going to say, I do think boys need that physical exertion. They've like got to get it out, out of their, their body. system. Yeah. Testosterone. Yeah. There is a difference whether well, we want to admit to it or not. It's, yeah. it's biological. Well, for my guy it is. Like I remember having a sit down with a girl mum. She had two girls and she was like complaining about her sister-in-law because her sister-in-law had a son who would get really violent with her girls and like lash out and she's like and all she does is give him a hug just reaffirming that bad behavior and I was like oh no that's like a boy mum tactic because sometimes when they're lashing out or if they're being violent or physical it's because they actually are feeling overwhelmed and out of control and they just need to be held and your mum instinct is like it's okay baby boy I've got you like you can calm down like it's giving them permission to just calm down and move through the feeling I absolutely agree with that. And I definitely think that there is a level of different understanding of people who have only girls in the same way that some people have only boys. And I think when you have both... It feels quite pronounced in your own household that you can kind of see it from both perspectives. Oh, it's pronounced when Isla's sitting there doing freaking spelling homework and Teddy's just jumping on her, pulling her hair, kicking her, throwing (laughs) shit at her. And it's like, okay, this feels gendered. (laughs) It's funny with Iggy because I know that the tantrum months are coming now that he's walking. His appetite for curiosity has suddenly come into play, whereas before he was literally a potato with a pulse. Yeah, he was happy to just sit and look at a wall. Exactly. Were you worried or were you just stoked? Half of me was stoked. I'm not going to lie. As we hit 17 months, I was a bit like, mate, are you going to do anything? There's a whole world out there for you. Like, why at 17 months are you still a kid that I can plonk in a corner with a few toys and I could literally leave the house, go do a grocery shop, come back and you have not moved? But now that he's found his feet, like something happened when he got vertical and he was like, oh, this is a new perspective on the world. There's so much more to explore. Only now at 18 months is he into power cords, pushing all the buttons on the dishwasher and the oven, all that kind of stuff that I'm like, oh God, I'm tired. But Mm -hmm. I feel like other mums who have babies around the same age of Iggy are going to be like, are you fucking kidding me? I've been dealing with this shit for the last six months. Yeah, longer. I remember Teddy was like seven or eight months when he found all the drawers Mm. and was just like pulling the drawers handle into his own face and then getting his fingers caught in the drawer on the way back and then like never learning and like finding himself in the mirror and just laughing at himself that's a cute phase that is a cute phase I quite enjoy that so I do wonder if Iggy's developmental delays of six months will continue through because I feel like 
by this stage, Rafa was full of tantrums, full of all the things, but I feel like she's come out the other side this of that. This is quite good with your close together gap that this has happened. You've they really hacked it. In what way? Well, because you were like, oh my God, I'm going to have two under two and they're going to be so close together, blah, blah, blah. But it's almost like you had a longer gap yes. between because he's slower. Exactly. Okay, let me tell you a story. This will make you feel better. My niece, Frankie, crawled on her first birthday. So she was really <laughs> slow. So did Iggy. Yeah, I know. So, right. But she's really fucking slow, right? Okay, but you say that like it's <laughs> such an anomaly. And I'm like, oh, my baby did that too. But now she's 10. Yeah. And she 10. She's 10 in October and she is completely on par with her peers. It all evened out at some point. All comes out in the wash. Yeah, I just, I think it's those first four years. You can't really judge. I don't know. No, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. I guess I'm trying to make all these mental notes about how Rafa is now as a three-year-old. Yeah. And that when Iggy's three, like, I'll be interested to know if he's caught up to where she is now or if he'll be, like, her version of a two-year-old when he's three. There's also the dynamic of the youngest. They stay younger longer, I reckon. Oh, don't they just? Yeah, like, Ted, like, I've just got him off a bottle. (laughs) (laughs) Not for any reason. Like, just he just likes sucking on a bottle with just cow's milk or whatever and a blankie. And, you know, he likes to wear feety pajamas. And he's just, like, sometimes he is such a baby and plays up to that. There is such a difference when you know your baby is your last and I feel really privileged knowing that we only want two so that I can fully indulge in every first also being a last and me just grabbing on and savoring, 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 savoring like a crazy woman. But my husband is always like, oh my God, you treat him like a baby. You were never like this with Rafa at 18 months. But then I also wonder, is that more to do with her being a firstborn or is it more to do with her being a girl? Yeah. Because another thing that I've noticed about myself is that I have high expectations of Rafa, not because of the firstborn element, but because she's female, that I feel like she's a version of me. Yeah. Full projection, I realise that. But I'm like, you're a representative of my offspring and you're a girl. Therefore, you need to have all the qualities that I would expect of myself. Hunji P, and I'm way harder on Isla. Really? As well? Yeah. And you let Teddy Teddy slide. Because you do wonder, is it because he's the baby or is it because he's a boy? I do think there's a difference with that mother-son relationship. I don't know. Ted's four. Yeah. And he's testing at the moment. Like I said, he's very physical. He fights his sister, loves to show her his dick. (laughs) Just stuff that I can't abide. So I'm not harder on him in terms of discipline. I feel like I'm mostly disciplining him, whereas Mm. Isla is just a freaking angel. And I rarely have to tell her to pull her head in. And I feel like she has been an angel for a while. For a while. Since five. Since she clocked over to five, it was just like, oh my God, you are so easy and so lovely. And she's the firstborn people pleaser. So she's she wants to make me proud. Yeah. Teddy does want to make me proud, but his way of doing it is like, look, mum, at my foreskin. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I don't want to look at your foreskin. <laughs> I don't want to see how stretchy it can be. Oh, God. Um, and also he can't handle himself still. So he still has those testosterone rages and will like just slam tackle his sister. So I'm like disciplining him more. But when it comes to like personality things, mm. I'm a lot harder on Isla because she reflects me. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't want to be like that. Don't you be like that. <laughs> well, conversely, Hubs is tougher on Iggy. Yeah, right. Like 
when Iggy is being a real sook. He is such a sook, like loves a cuddle, so attached to me. He's just a puzzle piece that just slots in. And my husband's like, mate come on you gotta like man up like I know that's really old oh, school no you gotta stamp that out well he's never said that okay. but I know that it's the subtext yeah. of how he handles it but then Hubs is like oh whatever like I'm a gentle rough as my princess kind of dad and you're tough on her and he's right mm. so it was just a good wake-up call to go well how can we balance that out I'm very big on raising boys who can manage their own feelings oh, who yeah. are allowed to feel their feelings Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's important, but I do coddle him. Yeah. I do spoil him a bit. Yeah, you just want to marry him just a yeah, little bit. Yeah, yeah, I pander to his shit. I yeah. really do. Yeah. You know, Mia Friedman shared this video that went viral on Instagram about a mother's relationship with her son. Mm. It broke me yeah. because the opening line is, and I'm sorry if I'm paraphrasing this, but it was something along the lines of having a son is like the world's slowest breakup. Yeah. Oh, it's a punch but to the gut. If you do a good job, if you do a good job, your whole job is to raise a self-sufficient man who can look after himself and people around him, but mostly himself. That is your job as his mum, is to teach him how to be sensitive in touch with his own feelings, know what he wants from life so that he has healthy happy relationships and a life going forward. So if you've done a good job, it is like a breakup because he'll move further and further away from you. I read somewhere about this idea that your job as a parent is to become redundant. Yeah, totally. Like you're doing a disservice to your child if you keep them fully dependent on you. So I fully understand that. But I think the thing with boys and girls is, and I know there's always exceptions to the rule. I do have some male friends who are sick for their mums still. Yeah. And yeah. their mums love it and they have a very special bond. We'll say those men that I know who are like that are gay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that there are straight heterosexual men who aren't close to their mums, but it's oh like... Oh, my God. But Have it's... you dated one, though? I've dated a mummy's boy who, like, could not see what a diabolical witch his mum was. I've got a girlfriend who has. I mean, and it actually ended their relationship. It, it was would. the root of the issue. When no woman could ever compare to what he has with his mum. Mm. I mean, that's that's the problem. That's what I don't want for my teddy. Totally. We don't want to be those weird in-laws. Oh, my God. If he is hetero and he is ends up with women, I don't want it to be like, well, they're just not as good as mummy. <laughs> that's fucked up. <laughs> Are you watching the US Bachelorette? No. So there's a guy on the show who is, I think he's 32 years old and he's a virgin, oh. which is fine. The Bachelorette is actually really cool about it. Okay. For now. <laughs> For now. I know. And she's very sex positive. So I find it really interesting. But he's made it to the top six or whatever. So, sorry, spoiler alert. Got to have that church quota in the US Bachelorette. <laughs> well, she's got quite a diverse top five, I will say that. But they have an episode. You know how they always have some, like, naff activity mm -hmm. to, that they do together to, like, draw out something? So they have a professional cuddler. Oh come God. on the show no. to teach them how to cuddle and all, it's so cringy and the professional cuddle expert has like different names for different types of cuddles there's like a like um, what give me one example I can't remember I, I, I can't remember but anyway so they're in the cuddle position where he's big spoon and she's little spoon and they're having a conversation and they're actually really awkward about it and they're kind of laughing and the cuddle expert says while laughter may look like fun laughter is actually revealing how incredibly awkward they are Ooh. physically together and it's so true anyway 
He then goes on this rant about how she reminds him of his mother and he's like, my mother is the most amazing person in the world. Mm. I know every son has to leave their mother. This is a 32-year-old. And I think the bachelorette realized in that moment that, oh God, he wants to marry his mother and he's looking for qualities in me that are equal to that of his mother. And I just thought, note to self, do not be that person for Iggy who, like, talks about his mum like some sort of saint. You want them to have a good relationship, obviously, and to respect you and and not be obsessed with you. Exactly. (laughs) It's a bit Oedipal Rex. So Oedipal. Let's dream cast a little. What would your dream future relationship with Teddy look like? Me and him? Yes. Oh, I would like him to be able to talk about his problems with Mm. me. I wouldn't want him to feel he had to protect me from anything. Mm -hmm. I would want to feel like it was a shame-free house where he could be like, oh, I've got this dilemma and we could hash it out together. I want that for both my kids. Yeah. I never want to be begging my kids to come over. How do you cultivate it? Well, I think you don't do it. (laughs) You don't beg them and you don't make mandatory like... I don't know. I just want my house when I have adult children to be somewhere they want to come drink wine with me, play music, have fun, bring their partners, bring their kids where it's just high vibes. I know you said I don't want this mandatory. No. We get together on X amount of days, like a Sunday supper club. I don't but want to be, I just don't want to be uh, a duty. I know. However, yeah. I do wonder if there is an age window of natural resistance where they're like, No, I reject my family because right now my friends are my family. You know that face? Like, yeah, yeah. We all, yeah, your 20s. That I wonder, and look, maybe an unpopular opinion, but if you did have a mandatory, let's, okay, let's take away the word mandatory because I feel like (laughs) that has negative connotations. If you were to have a family ritual get together, yeah, like every Sunday lunch or whatever. Exactly. And sure. In their 20s, there's hesitance to come. It's a bit of a chore, blah, blah, blah. But they show up reluctantly. I do wonder if that then becomes a missed habit when they're older. And then when they have kids of their own, they kind of reflect on that and go, oh, I love, I want that. Do you know what I mean? Because I feel like there's a natural progression with growing up where you kind of rebel, you assert your independence and then it almost goes full circle. Yeah. Like you have your own kids and then you crave all those family traditions and rituals. Yeah. I took all of our Christmas traditions for granted. It wasn't that I poo-pooed them. I was just like indifferent. I was like, yeah, cool. But now that I have kids, I'm like going out of my way to inject all of those traditions and now I get teary and emotional over them. But it's true. You just need to fill your house with great vibes, have really good hangover food if you're doing it on a Sunday so they've got somewhere to come and eat. They can do their washing, all that stuff. I don't know. I love hanging out with my parents as people. Like they're fun. I like hashing things out with them. We enjoy the same things. But with my kids, yeah, I just want it to be somewhere they can come where they just feel happy content, rested, and like they have a good time. Mm. I think with Iggy, I just want him to remember to call me. Yeah, that's a low bar. (laughs) I actually want to be able to call Teddy on his bullshit. Sure, that's going to go down well with him. No, I think it can. I think having a woman call you on your bullshit as a man, I think that could be a good thing in his life. It sounds relationshipy. No, 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 not that kind of thing. Just like I, and especially if he's if he's ever a fuck boy, I'll call him on that shit. 
I don't want him to treat women like entertainment. No. I would stamp that out. But that kind of education can start very young. Absolutely. Have you seen Normal People? It's a book, but it was turned into an incredible miniseries. Is this the one set in New York? No, it's Island. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's amazing. The relationship between Connell, the main character, and his mum is goals. Are they fictional? Yes, they're fictional. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, all my relationship goals are fictional. (laughs) Where else do you get them from? (laughs) There's got to be a real-life example somewhere of a mother-son where they're just besties. I mean, look, you just can't force these things. No, you can't. I think with men and with boys in romantic relationships and your sons, the more you force it, surely the more they'll run. (laughs) (laughs) It's such... A tightrope. It's so hard to walk it. And I've got a girlfriend who's just had her third son. And I know that she's like, I'm just going to have to be that really cool mother-in-law. <laughs> you just never know, though. You don't, families come in all shapes and sizes. One of her boys might end up with a girl who doesn't have a mum or doesn't have a good relationship with her mum or is estranged from her mum or has a tricky relationship with her mum yeah. and can be this beautiful maternal relationship in her life. Like, Absolutely. You just don't know. It, I, I think it's funny and getting really outdated and hilarious how we project these gendered visions onto our children like our kids probably not even going to be hetero they're just going to be fluid yeah they'll probably date boys date girls date non-binary people like it's moving so fast away from the heteronormative shit that we grew up with mm. and maybe if they're just like really straight they'll be abnormal you know <laughs> yeah i just think it's, it's so funny how we project we have no idea who our kids are going to be and for people they end up with what life they've walked and what relationships they have you know we just have no idea it's just so smug and arrogant to go well I've got a son so he's going to marry a woman and she's going to have her mum as her best friend and I've got no place in that like that is so short-sighted I think I 100% agree yeah and I genuinely believe that our parents would never have imagined this world that we've grown up in even just the shift in technology this idea of a smartphone an app yeah like all these new industries and careers that literally did not exist yeah they don't understand our careers when they gave birth I mean like we have a podcast they're like what what are you doing yeah (laughs) who's paying you to do what now (laughs) I know and it's same thing for your daughter though I don't assume Isla's gonna be my best friend my whole life just because she's a girl oh no I do I I assume that of Rafa I expect that of Rafa (laughs) and if she's not that I'll die. I mean, I want it, but I know I've got to earn that. I don't think it's just a given that I have a daughter, therefore I have a built-in bestie. I definitely think earning it is one thing, but also quietly cultivating it without them knowing is another way. (laughs) How are you doing that with Rash? My mum is my best friend. So there's a lot of pressure for me to emulate what I have with my mum with Rafa. And I'm so terrified of there ever being a rift between me and Raf. She's incredibly stubborn. She's fiery as hell. And She's I, you. Oh, look, that's it's confronting. She's you. But there's so many things that she does that I hate, like really <laughs> hate. When she's pushing my buttons, she knows exactly what she's doing. When she outright lies to me, when she goes out of her way to do exactly what I've asked her not to do, and she knows it, a mirror's being held up. <laughs> and my mum, bless her, but she's always like, it's all coming back to you, babe. <laughs> it's all coming home to roost. Yep. <laughs> but I will say something that is just an interesting thought is I... I'm an only girl. 
I have a brother. Yeah. So I have a really strong relationship with my mum. She's yeah. my bestie, mm-hmm. right? Now, I've always had sister envy. Yeah. My closest girlfriends who have sisters, like you, M, Liv, like you guys have quite a it's like a bond that I'm looking from the outside in like through yeah. a window and I'm like wow that's so special and I think people who have daughters are like oh my god they're going to be besties and project that onto yeah, yeah. them I will say on the flip side of the coin is I I also know women who are almost estranged from their sisters because they are so different and unaccepting of each mm. other's differences. It's a potent relationship and it's either special potent yeah. and, and super, super close or it can be tricky. One thing I will say is that people who do have daughters who have a tight sisterly bond, I always think, oh, they're going to gang up on their mum. Yeah, like the mum is yeah. never going to be cool in that situation. They'll be like, oh, did you see what mum did? Oh, fucking I know, mom. fucking mum. And just gang up. And I always think, oh, well, Rafa won't have that. I know. That was how you helped soothe me. Because I, I went through, I think, like a weird, this is so bratty, but a weird bit of bratty grief when I found out I was having a boy because my sister and I are so close. And sisters is what you know. It's what sisters you come what from. I know. And like, we don't have a lot of boys in my family on either side. It's like, girl, girl, girl. My mum came from a long line of girls. All the cousins are girls. Like, just girls what I know. All my tight friends are girls. It was just what I knew. So I just always just thought I would replicate my family as we all kind of do in a weird way. So had I left, stoked to have my girl first. And I was like, okay, now here comes little sister. And then I found out it was a boy and I was like, wait, what? what? <laughs> and I like <laughs> grieved that I couldn't give Isla what I have yeah. with my sister. But then that's how you soothe me. You're like, yeah, but then they won't gang up on you against you. You yeah. can still be Isla's best friend. She doesn't get a sister best friend. <laughs> it's true. It's so true. But Isla is now begging me for a sister. Begging me. Oh, Mommy, God. please have another baby and please make it a girl because I'm supposed to have a sister. Oh God. Yeah. That's hectic. Begging me. I mean, Rafa just straight up calls Iggy my sister. <laughs> I don't know why. I mean, he'd make a beautiful girl. <laughs> he would. He would. He'd be a, just a stunning girl. Put him in some of that Jamie K. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to what you were saying about gender fluidity and this new generation that's growing up in an age of exposure to all kinds of sexualities, which is amazing. Can I recommend a series? Yes. And it's funny because this discussion of gender fluidity is actually one cog of the greater machine behind this series, but I am totally hooked. It's been a while since I've binged on a reality show oh my God. to this level. What? Oh God. You know when you're really excited is about something? It's going to be a Housewives thing because I, I can't. I just can't with any real Housewives of anywhere. I've never done a Housewives okay. show. All right. This is not one of those? No. Okay, continue. <laughs> but now I feel like I have to sell it a certain <laughs> way because, again, big call. But you know how the Kardashians ended on their 20th season sure. this year? So there's a perfect gap in the market now for people craving some sort of Kardashian-esque fascination mm-hmm. into a family. Well, there's a new family on the block. And the show is called, if you haven't seen it. Oh my God, name it. <laughs> it's called My Unorthodox Life. Okay. okay? Oh, I saw this pop up on Netflix last night. Hear me out because I feel like everyone's going to judge me and be like, what is this trash gem? I saw the trailer for it and I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, so what is the premise? Okay, so the premise is there's a woman, her name is Julia Hart. She was born and raised in an ultra-Orthodox Jewish community in New York called Monsey. And 
If you know nothing about ultra-Orthodox communities, it's like something out of the 1800s. Women in particular are suppressed to just touch on a few things. And this is just a few things. They have to be covered head to toe. So they wear wigs because once they get married, they're no longer allowed to show their real hair. Mm -hmm. They have to dress modestly. Women are not allowed to sing or dance oh. because it is deemed as too tantalizing for men. Right. Women are not allowed to ride bicycles. <laughs> Women are not Why allowed not? because in case your skirt oh. lifts up too high. Yeah, it's completely okay. absurd. It's completely suppressing women so that the men are never tempted. Correct. Okay. And not only that, that <laughs> but women aren't afforded a proper education because obviously a woman with an educated mind is very dangerous very. to the patriarchy. So she was married off to a practical stranger at 18. Then she proceeded to have four children. Now, at the age of 42, and this is why I love this series. Yes, it's filmed in a very Kardashian-esque way, blah, 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 all of that stuff. But what I find most inspiring is this woman escaped her community at 42. 42. Imagine starting your life again in an outside foreign world yeah. where you don't even know how to Google the word Google because you've never heard of Google. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. She started a shoe brand okay. because she knew how to sew and she's always had a secret love of shoes and she used to smuggle magazines. And because she was forced to dress a certain way, she fantasized about a world where she could wear what she wanted. So she started a shoe brand, turned that into a multi-million dollar empire, wow. sold it, Whoa. became the CEO of La Perla. Oh my Do you know God. La Perla? Yeah, 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 the lingerie. Yeah, the high-end lingerie brand. She did a real 180. <laughs> it is inspiring because what she shows and demonstrates is that you're never too fucking old to pivot. Like yes. Four, that is, I mean, yes, that is, girl. Exactly. And now, <laughs> seven years on, she's the CEO of... World Elite Models, which is the biggest <laughs> modeling agency in the world. I know it's it is. She's wild. like, I have been so conservative for forty two years. I'm gonna go full trash. <laughs> <laughs> so how's it shot? It's shot like keeping up with the Kardashians. Yeah, like you know, Real like Housewives interview style, and then like following them around in highly unnatural scenarios where they say a lot of exposition. Exactly. <laughs> did I sum it up well? You did, but. <sighs> If you can strip that back yep. and actually take her real life story and look at that with Which interest. Which you clearly have. I really have. Look, I've you got... drunk the Kool-Aid. Oh, I am fucking swimming in the Kool-Aid. <laughs> but hear me out because yep. I know I talked about gender fluidity. It's taken me a long time to get here. But the bit that's even more fascinating is it follows her four children. Are they still orthodox? Well, her firstborn was married at 18 Eesh. in the community and... Basically, imagine if for 18 years your mum was your educator on how you should live your life, which mm. is the way of this particular sect, yep. and then your mum bails yeah. and goes, I don't believe in the religion anymore. Imagine the therapy you'd need. Oh, girl. <laughs> but essentially where the show has picked up the family is that three out of the four of the children have left the community oh, with their wow. mum. And the oldest daughter has accepted the modern world, but is still religious. Okay. So she's kind of living this interesting life where she's trying to find her feet in a very modern world. And she's discovered a love of fashion. And she's like huge on TikTok, which yeah. is also another like curveball of the yeah, whole thing. Right. Is she still married? She's still married to the same guy. And, it's, and are they still Jewish? They're still Jewish. Right. They still practice their religion. Oh my God, how and fascinating. It's fascinating because Julia Hart, the mum, has fully rejected 
the religion. So there's interesting stories of conflict between oh, those two. Great. And then <laughs> Guys, there's a... You can't see Gem like I can right now. Girl is frothing. She's fizzing. <laughs> I haven't seen such passion in her. <laughs> but you know when a series just grabs you? Since Billie Eilish. <laughs> now let me move on to the youngest son. Oh, God. <laughs> So the youngest son is 14 and his arc is also very interesting <laughs> because he is straddling both worlds because the mum and the dad have joint custody of him because he's 14. He's oh a God. minor. So he spends half of his life in the Orthodox Jewish Whoa. community and half of his life. That would be a head fuck. Again, fascinating. I won't give anything away, but check How out his arc. How many Epstein are you, darling? Dude, I binged it in 24 hours. The whole season. Yeah, it's nine episodes. Oh. <laughs> it's very bingeable. Yeah, that is very bingeable. Now, here's oh. where we get to the gender fluidity. Oh, God. <laughs> so the second youngest daughter is 20 years old, and she is some crazy, amazing app developer. Oh, wow. This is what I mean about the industries and the careers of the next generation. But she is fully gender fluid, fully into experimenting and is so open and bold about her position on sexuality. Love that. And I watched it and I was like, oh my God, this is so cool because this is the world Rafa's going to grow up in. Oh yeah. Because no, Rafa will be the next gen on. Where totally. It's e- where it's even more evolved. I think that's amazing. But yeah. you think about when we were in high school, Revs. Yes, we kissed girls. We experimented. Yeah, but we did that performatively for, for boys. boys. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Exactly. It was so different. We didn't do it to be like, mm, that's an interesting experience. But never in our teens was it like, you know what? I'm going to experiment to see what gender I prefer. No, we were never like, oh, maybe I'm not hetero. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. it was assumed. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Gender orientation and sexuality are two completely Fairly different things. things. Yeah. And I think it's something that a lot of people get mixed up. Yeah. So my basic definition of it is um, actually learned from Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> okay. If we're going down the reality TV route. But gender orientation is when you wake up in the morning, it's who you are. Yeah. So it's like whether I identify as female yep. or male or non-binary. Yeah. Sexual orientation is who you want in bed with you. Yeah. Which I think is the best way to explain it. And there's... But it's just not even that cut and dry anymore. Like people can have a relationship with a woman and be into that person and then next they're into a man and then... Yeah, you know, but, like but, moves... the, but the point is, is with your sexual orientation is you might go, oh no, I'm happy to have a woman or a man in yeah, bed. Yeah. I'm happy to have a transgender female or transgender male in yeah. my bed. So yeah. I guess the definition is there to help other generations to understand it. I wonder, like older generations. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I wonder if it'll become really boring to be super hetero. <laughs> Like, I feel like I'm so boring. I'm like, yeah, I'm really hetero. I just like a big man. <laughs> like, I just like, I just like, I'm not, I've got any experimentation I need to do. Like, I'm just DTF, you know? <laughs> I, just, I, I tried the girl thing a couple of times and I don't know, it wasn't for me. I was a major tourist. But I wonder if that was because it was light dabbling as opposed to really sitting with yourself. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? What I'm trying to say? It's. Because it wasn't widely accepted when we were growing up. Yeah. It was like... You're saying, fr- am I just like a product of growing up in the patriarchy? Is that That's why I have the preferences that I have. Potentially. Mm, I don't know. I feel like if I was... I feel like if I had a proclivity to anything else or wanted to experiment, I would absolutely follow that. If I was growing up as a Zoomer... Right now. Right now, I wondered if I would have given having a girlfriend a go. Yeah. 
to see. Do you know what I mean? Would it have been me? Maybe. Like, who, who, I mean, it's just fascinating to think about because yeah. having a girlfriend wasn't even an option yeah. for me because it was like, I'm not gay. But yeah. these days it's not like I'm gay or straight. Yeah. It's 50 shades in between. It's just like, who do you like? Yeah. Who do you want to bone? Yeah. Mm, so it's just fascinating. And I love that Rafa and Iggy are growing up yeah. in that world. So great. So where... many more people to fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> well, so many more people to love. Yes. That's a nice way of looking at it. <laughs> Oh, I tell you what, I am ovulating so hard. This is what I don't have time for. This. Oh, so you're deep in summer? Dude, I'm high summer. <laughs> <laughs> high summer, it's hot up in hair. <laughs> My body is just like, you are ovulating. It is Easter. Put a baby in me. Like, <laughs> I'm so aware of my ovulation these days. Is this like a new phase of hormones or something? All I know is that since I've had babies, things feel much more pronounced. I've become way more in tune with my body. In my 20s, I wouldn't have noticed when I was ovulating. I can tell you right now. I can feel it right now. I'm ovulating out of my right side. Oh, you're right fallopian. Right fallopian's dropping an egg. My God. It wants a baby. It's like, make a baby. Like, <laughs> everything is in me is like, look at that guy. Look at that guy. Like, I'm just like, I'm on, I'm in heat. You're in heat. And it's, this is new. Since each child, I've felt ovulation more. Yeah. And now it's, al- it's almost like a second period a month. Like wow. the, the feelings and the emotions and the... You They're know, extreme. And the extremes and I get really hungry and I get really horny and I just like all I can think about is just, it's crazy. <laughs> I just wonder if it's like a new stage of hormones. If it's like, hey, you've probably only got 10 more baby making years in you. Yeah, before you become perimenopausal. Yeah, so... you better pop out like six more kids. <laughs> is that the biology that's going on? Probably. It's like, yeah. red alert. Red this alert. is your last window. <laughs> Maybe. It's so annoying to me because when I wanted to make babies in my mid to late 20s. It was a struggle. Didn't have a regular cycle. I didn't know when I was ovulating. I couldn't keep track of any of it. Now, if I wanted to have a baby, I'd be like, oh, yep, right now. Do it right now (laughs) and we'll be pregnant tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's so different. I'd never heard about like mid 30s fertility. All you hear is that it declines, but I feel like I'm powering. Babe, it's because you're in summer. Yeah, it's because I'm in summer. In the summertime when the weather is fine, you can take a dick. (laughs) See, I'm in spring. Oh, you're in spring. Coming out of the wintry month. Oh, lovely. I'm emerging. How are you feeling? I can't gauge any of my feelings right now because I feel completely on edge and unstable because of lockdown, if I'm honest. I know. I don't know how the fuck to feel at the moment. Well, maybe that's why I'm feeling my ovulation. I've got nothing else to feel, nowhere to go, (laughs) no one to see. Yeah, you've numbed all your feelings to everything else, so suddenly you're really in tune with what's going on inside. aware of my body. (laughs) I tell you what, this this lockdown has been such a mental roller coaster. I just, I'm really going highs to lows. Yeah, I think... uh, uh, everyone's feeling it. Yeah. It's a weird time because I don't think there's anyone out there who isn't struggling in some capacity yeah. with this lockdown. Yeah, even no if, one's thriving. No. And even if you can step outside yourself and go, well, I'm a best case scenario, mm-hmm. everyone's got their shit to deal with. But the problem is everyone's gone a bit quieter. Yeah. I'll admit that I've struggled. But then it's that weird thing where you look at this neighbor and that neighbor and your best friend and your other best friend and you can't help but compare your problems to theirs and go, well, don't heap your shit onto their shit because they've got enough going on. Mm. And I think I've 
internalized a lot of my own feelings to hold space for my friends going through real life shit that I then have cast my own problems aside a bit. And I think it all came to a head Mm. for me this past week where I was like, I feel like I'm not coping, but I can't pinpoint exactly what it is. It's like a culmination of a lot of things. And I realized that this year I've done a lot of burying Mm. of my feelings, which is not a good thing. No. And I think lockdown just... Blah. It all just came out. Well, it just puts you in a cave and then it ca- it literally caves in on you. Yeah. Because you can't go out and do your normal life and distract mm. yourself yeah. with the day-to-day things. You have to sit and face whatever your demons are. And it's confronting. It's really confronting. Like, I just think no one's okay. Like, no one I know in my life is thriving in this lockdown. There's no novelty of the first one. No one's doing a fucking sourdough starter. No one's like... Oh, Baking banana bread. No, no one's signing up to Pilates things. Everyone's just like, I'm going to put makeup on and try and survive this day. Mm. One foot in front of the other, one day to the next. None of us know when we're getting out of it. It feels really dire. Who is it good for? No. <laughs> Apart from dogs. Dogs have won. Why they, have dogs won? They've got their owners home all day and they get to go for like four walks. It's <laughs> so true. Maybe the dogs cooked up coronavirus. Do you know who this would be amazing for, this scenario? Young lovers who've just moved in together. Oh, I've got a friend who's in that zone. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. Imagine. Oh, she is kid-free. Just found her person, her words, not mine. And they are just bunkering down together, no doubt having all the sexy time, all the Netflix and chill, all the delicious takeaway food because they've got a lot of disposable income, having no kids. Don't. And... I just look at her and I'm like, oh, that that's when you want to do lockdown. Yeah, that's who's benefiting from lockdown. Yeah. New love, freshly moved in together. Yep. All the day sex. Ugh. Cooking together, go yep. for a walk around the block, pick up a few essential groceries, come home, make a sexy pasta, back into bed. Yep. They don't have to show up for anyone else. Heaven. But each other. Heaven. I mean, I look at her Instagram and I'm like, girl, you are goals. Mm. Ah, well. <laughs> <laughs> Shame. (laughs) But you know what I think the toughest age would be like emerging from an education system. So whether you're emerging from high school or university, Mm. you know that stage of life where... You're just ready to start your life. Yes, Mm. but you can't start your life because you're in this weird holding pattern limbo. Yeah, you can't go on a gap year or no one's really hiring, are they? Yeah, it's a really tough time. Like businesses have doubled down, they've tightened the belts, they're reassessing their employees, they are penny pinching you know all of that stuff and I really feel for that age bracket because I remember coming out of uni being like hello world I'm here like let's do shit yeah and same with high school I left high school and went on a gap year and traveled and explored and oh just went and found myself like how are they finding themselves being stuck at home because lord knows you don't own property at 21 no or this generation may never i know (laughs) and i wonder if a lot of relationships will be like on the express lane because they have nothing else to do but connect and connect and bunker down and i don't know now i'm jealous again (laughs) (laughs) actually on the sex story i heard a funny thing from a girlfriend of mine she was telling me just yesterday actually that her and her husband have a sex candle. It's a candle that sits in their living room. And when one of them's in the mood, they just go up and casually light the candle. Cute. I know. And she's like, 
you know, it provides ambience. Yes, but also it's a cute message. But I did say to her, but what if you're like really tired and not up for it? Do you just walk over and blow, blow it, it out? out? <laughs> Snuff that fucker. Like, Soz, babe. <laughs> <laughs> and then just the sad embers of the rejected candle just wafted up into the fire alarm. Beep, 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 beep. And your relationship is dead. <laughs> idea of it was so romantic and cute but the reality of it must be at times where you're like no babe I've got like 20 more emails to send don't light that candle oh, right fuck, now he's like, oh god he's going for the matches <laughs> I love the idea of it I thought the idea was really cute yeah. and I, it made me also realize god my husband lights a lot of candles <laughs> He really does. My hubs is a candle junkie. I'm a candle junkie. I love a candle. You are. I love a candle. And I made this deal with myself that I was just going to light them like a couple of years ago. Like, don't save them because I used to hoard all the good ones. Same. And now I'm like, no, just fucking light them. But now, like, I just burn through them so fast. Yeah, but they're so worth it. I know they are worth it. It's how I like to start my work day at the moment. It's like ritualistic. Make a cup of tea, light a candle. Shit, yes, because my house is like got a real strong feminine energy, and I've got a candle on every surface. Best, it's like a Daniel Steele novel in there. What are you saying about my husband? Because he's the one who places. I'm saying he's a Daniel Steele novel, (laughs) (laughs) and maybe he's sending you a message. (laughs) Oh my god! All right, I've got a really fun not sponsored this week. Speaking of sexiness and cooking and all those kind of things. I have found someone on Instagram. She's called The Pasta Queen. Is this your not sponsored? This is my not sponsored. I'll link it in the show notes. She's like a Monica Bellucci Sofia Vergara sex kitten (laughs) who does reels with pasta recipes. But she just makes it so sexy. She just, in her beautiful, thick Italian accent, does like a spaghetti alla matriciana, but like she goes like ingredients. Okay, I'm going to ask you, play her reel. Let's okay. listen to the audio version yeah, yeah. and see if we can tempt our dear listeners to go and check her out. She like does these classic pasta recipes and then she just sells it in the campest, most gorgeous way. Hang on. So her handle is the underscore pasta queen. Play you <laughs> Such a-, a basic name. I know. Well, just say what you are, right? Yeah. And just give you a taste. This is the rise of Venus. Ingredients. These mussels and clam pasta will make your taste buds burst with flavor. Season garlic in olive oil, now grape tomatoes, a sprinkle of salt and parsley. Mussels and clams join in and cover for a few minutes until the wave of Venus transforms oh. it into pure beauty, oh, yeah. just like you are. The winds and the tears of the pasta gods combine it all together. A sprinkle of parsley for good fortune, and it's just gorgeous. This is the rise of Venus. I mean, yes, ma'am. That is an aphrodisiac, (laughs) that video. Seriously, it made me just want to, like, cook pasta with Stanley Tucci. She's the Italian Nigella Lawson. Totally. She's She's so sexy. It's like she's about to lay an egg on the countertop, honestly. She's like, (laughs) (laughs) she's amazing. Anyway, she's my not sponsored. I love that. The pasta queen. Do you know what? We need to fill our Instagram feeds with some good stuff. Absolutely. With some high vibes. High vibes. What have you got for me, my love? Well, I've got another show to recommend. Right. But I feel like I went so hard on my unorthodox life that I haven't earned to this second one. <laughs> hey, we all need shit to watch. You're right. We're in mm-hmm. lockdown. Everyone's gagging for some shows. So here's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, on a platform where I've never watched a long form series, okay. but it's on Facebook. Yeah, so Facebook has Facebook series. What? Okay. So interestingly, in the Hatchery group, which is my online business course, one of the questions that popped up is, what are your favorite business podcasts or books? And 
I actually jumped in the comment section and I said, I have this weird obsession with watching documentaries about elite sports stars Mm -hmm. when I need inspiration, which is hilarious because no part of me is interested in any sort of... Moving your body at all. Yeah, physical exercise. (laughs) Like, I don't like to exert myself, guys. I just don't. you are a game queen. Maybe that's what draws me to them is their ability to focus and just be number one at this one thing. So you know how much I love tennis? Mm -hmm. Something that dear listeners mightn't know, that my other secret obsession is gymnastics. Yeah. USA gymnastics, to yeah. be specific. Also synchronized swimming, but go with gymnastics. Okay. <laughs> Don't give away all my secrets. <laughs> but I follow the US gymnastics team an unhealthy amount. Yeah. Like, I know too much about them. <laughs> like... I could give you the names of all six members of the elite USA Gymnastics Olympic team. I could tell you what cities they're from, how old they are, how many medals they've won. Like, it's awkward. Anyway, I have an unhealthy obsession with Simone Biles. I find her incredibly inspiring because she went to the Rio Olympics in 2016 and she was so young and then got sucked into this system of sponsorships and being told what to do and blah, 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 blah. And now that she's five years on with 2021 Olympics, she is the greatest of all time. And she's almost got like a mascot, which is a goat, which stands for greatest of all time. And she has like a diamante goat on all of her leotards. It's like become her (laughs) signature thing. Anyway, there is an incredible... Incredible documentary series on Facebook. It's called Simone Biles versus Herself. I literally cannot wait to follow her journey through the Olympic Games. I know there are some people like, yeah, man, Olympics, whatevs. Did you know Brisbane just won the Olympics for 2032? If there is one. (laughs) What do you mean? They'll be like COVID 28 by then. Don't even joke. (laughs) Dude, that's 2032 we're talking about. I wasn't joking. (laughs) Don't jest, Revs. (laughs) The zombie Olympics. Be careful what you wish for. (laughs) I'm not wishing for it. Don't put it out there into the universe. But anyway, it's a brilliant documentary series. I find her utterly inspiring. Great. Okay. So Facebook series. Facebook series. I'm still kind of wigging out on that, but cool. Do I I need, feel... Can you put it on your TV? I'm a bit old school like that. No, I watched it on my laptop, yeah. but I was still into it. Yeah, yeah, great. bit more highbrow than uh, my unorthodox life. Or the pasta queen on Instagram <laughs> reels. <laughs> love the pasta queen. Oh, all right. Well, I, listen, I love you, honey. I miss you. I miss you too. Can't wait till we're back together. Just can't wait for like barbecues. Mm. I want, do you want to do a walk next week? Yes. Okay, let's do that. Or tomorrow? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Cue the outro. One of these days we'll have an intro to our French. One of these days we'll have an outro to our podcast. Bit of parsley for good fortune.